0: Coming up on episode 59 of the Upful Life Podcast.
1: Sometimes we play our best shows when we're at odds in um, interpersonal ways, you know, because it's just a release and there's 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 a way to reconnect with your homies that, you know, sometimes your emotions aren't allowing you to do, but when you tap into the, the root of that we're all, you know, that the reason that we're all, that all of us in this band have been put on this earth, and the reason that we're all together traveling around here, when you can tap into that thing and take all of the, you know, the bright brain out of it and the conversational issues or whatever, um, we tap into some of the best and most pure things, you know? It's like we're in the moments of like the most complete chaos you obviously have the most you know you can sometimes have the most clarity in life you know we we, I'm sure that you've been through that in your life before and I think that that transcends musically for this group a lot
2: I kind of showed up as a beginner really you know uh, it took to this profession later on in life and um, and I found the Seattle music scene to be really welcoming you know it was really really um yeah just a really inclusive vibe um part of me wants to say like a little bit like a low price of entry you know but not in not in a bad way not in a negative way it's just that like everybody's welcome to kind of come up and like do their thing right um which there's you know there's a lot of jam sessions in the city which is, which some of the best musicians lead and interact with all ranges right from beginner to advanced to whatever you know whatever you are show up showing up is the big part in All right. seattle right and so showing up to the scene the people who show up and the people who keep showing up are the ones that end up you know end up owning it really right. and and uh and I, f- I feel really uh really honored really blessed to consider myself one of those people i feel like i'm part of the scene i showed up and i kept showing up <laughs>
0: yes indeedy welcome to the Upful life podcast i'm your host b gets and this is episode number 59 coming at you live and direct from the vibe junkie studios in oakland california like wine from the vine episode 59 so grateful you are tuning in
3: we want you to lend us your souls and we promise we'll give them back to you better than you gave them to us (laughs) buckle up and enjoy the ride
0: Yes indeedy. The Up for Life Podcast would like to thank our good friends at Sacred Rose. Sacred Rose Music Festivals taking place August 26th through the 28th in Chicago, Illinois. At just outside Seat Geek Stadium. It's a first-year event and it's shaping up to be a doozy. I'm honored and privileged to be there uh, in about a week. Uh, headed up by my friend and Sacred Rose founder, Michael Berg. The eclectic lineup is a blooming love letter to the sweet sounds of Americana, psych rock, jam, indie, soul, funk, and bluegrass. And it's going to cater towards music heads who crave live music mastery. The lineup is too stacked to go through everybody. But some of the artists I'm looking forward to, of course... My boys and Lettuce are playing on Friday, and you're hearing them in the background from their live in Amsterdam vinyl-only release, the new reel. But Lettuce is playing on Friday, the first band on Friday, kicking off the festival. Gone, Gone Beyond. You've heard uh, David Block, The Human Experience from Gone, Gone Beyond on this podcast. There's also a very special Phil Lesh and Friends uh, set, two sets in the evening that include members of Wilco and Carl Denson, among others. We've got Animal Collective, War on Drugs, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, and that's just the first day. I mean, we've got Sound Tribe Sector 9 and Lotus and La Special, as well as Disco Biscuits and Goose and Humphreys McGee for two sets, Orchard Lounge, Andy Frasco, and the list goes on, Sun Squabby with Kanika Moore, and then on Sunday, Bringing It Home Strong with Uh, Karung Bin, J. Rad, Kamazi Washington, Green Sky Bluegrass, The Wood Brothers, Dawes, Hiatus Coyote, Karina Reichman, Maggie Rose, Holly Bowling, The Kitchen Dwellers, Infamous String Dusters. So many options. So that's Sacred Rose, August 26th to 28th. We'll be there. We'll also be at our friends Brooklyn Comes Alive, Headed up by Live for Live Music. Brooklyn Comes Alive is obviously in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Mirage on September 17th, 2022. Brooklyn Comes Alive is annual event that's been out of commission due to the pandemic, but it's back, connecting with GMP Live, my man Gideon, and Backline Org. Of course, Kunjan Sarah from Live for Live Music, Andrew O'Brien, it's the team I work with all the time. So we'll be at Brooklyn Comes Alive as well. Sound Tribe Sector 9, the first Modesky Martin & Wood show in several years. Lettuce will be there and the debut performance of Cool, Cool, Cool which features most of the former members of Turquoise plus Episode 58's special guest, Nate Edgar. So yeah, those are two huge events that... Uh, Up Full Life is proud to be uh, a guest and a reporter and affiliated with. And if you're hitting either of these events, look out for me. I'll hit you with some stickers. We'll have a conversation. I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of fans out there. So Sacred Rose Festival in Chicago. Brooklyn comes alive in Brooklyn. Give thanks. Yes, indeedy. up for life podcast and you know i was just talking about our friends at live for live music and you can check out a whole lot of what i've been up to since we last spoke on LiveforLivemusic.com. before i do that want to let everyone know i really appreciate all the feedback from episode 58 with nate dog nate edgar of the nth power really warms the heart and is a super affirmation to receive that kind of feedback so big up yourselves and if you're curious about what I've been up to since Nate Dog, and right now, uh, I went out to Red Rocks for a few shows, including Lettuce and the Tower Power with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra, and can read about that as well as two nights of Sound Tribe Sector Nine, also at Red Rocks. Uh, we did a review on the Rising Appalachia Berkeley show entitled "Resilient Against the Machine," and a three-day inaugural blue note jazz festival napa valley which was at the charles krug winery here in napa norcal Uh, the lineup was absolutely ridiculous headlined by black star and kamazi washington and shaka khan and robert glasper and the list goes on you can read all about it the article review reflection what have you is titled "Escuchala la ciudad on the scene at the inaugural blue note jazz festival napa valley Again, you can find that on Live for Live Music and UpfulLife.com. Speaking of, please consider smashing that subscribe button to the Upful Life podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Much obliged. And on that topic, if you are so inclined and do have the time, please rate or review the Upful Life podcast, specifically on Apple Podcasts. But really, whatever podcast platform of choice that you listen on. Because those reviews go a long way in steering the algorithms in this direction, bringing new listeners to the Up for Life podcast. And the ratings do the same. It only takes a couple minutes. So uh, really appreciate a couple new reviews up there. Um, and yeah, that is just huge. So rate and review the pod. And you can hit me up directly, as you know, b.gets at upfullife.com send me an email any feedback any suggestions any constructive criticisms or corrections or whatever you want to share with me i always appreciate hearing from the listeners b.getz at U-P-F-U-L-L-I-F-E, upfullife.com that's how you get at me dog and i neglected to mention the last couple episodes that i've been writing for nugs.net I did talk about the project I did with the Nth Power at the end of the spring and then I did a, a detailed uh, tour diary uh, about Metallica in South America. Uh, so you can check that out on nugs.net. Uh, hopefully I'll be doing some more stuff with them. Uh, it's been an absolute joy to, you know, dive into the the archives, if you will, and listen to music and write about it, which is kind of the core, you know, embryonic thing that I do. So. Uh, Yeah, check out anything I got going on nugs.net and shout out to Aria for bringing me on board the Nugs team. You're hearing a little bit of Detox Unit, Recent Works Volume 4 in the background. And now let's get into episode 59. Yes, indeedy.
1: It's called the cut down.
0: and we're back episode 59 of the up for life podcast is stoked to welcome guitarist ben bloom and bassist jason gray of polyrhythmics uh polyrhythmics based out of seattle They take sonic exploration experiences of past albums and combine them with the mad scientist experiments, testing the tunes on the road, and then roll them up into studio releases like 2020's Man From The Future and its companion EP Fondue Party, both heard on color red label. Now I go way back with Ben Bloom, like 25 years-ish to the Northeast jam scene and 1.0 fish tour. But I just met bassist Jason Gray at Swanee Rising in Spirit of Swanee Music Park back in April. And that's where this conversation took place after they had played uh, a night set followed up by a day set and then we settled in for a conversation at a picnic table outside of a cabin. You can probably hear I'm a bit weathered from three days and nights of full-blown festivaling. Um, And these guys are are mighty spry and and focused and articulate and insightful. So uh, at the time I did a lot of talking, but what you're going to hear is mostly their talking. And I surgically removed a number of detours and rabbit holes that I went on just because uh, I was uh, yammering a bit much. So You also hear some noise in the background. You know, we are doing this during a festival. Um, So there'll be a little bit of background stuff, but did my best to make it sound pretty good. And uh, it's really interesting to hear these sort of polar opposite journeys of Ben and Jason uh, unifying in polyrhythmics and their modus operandi and intention and ambition is all discussed and on display as well as influences and life experiences that predate you know seattle or being in this band they've been a band since 2010 i think they are about the album they talk about recording now i believe is their seventh full-length album um and even though we talked about it in april it's yet to be released um of course we'll keep you all posted about all that stuff in terms of future releases but uh With that, I think I'm going to pop over to this Telluride Jazz Festival snippet about polyrhythmics and then uh, read a little bit of that so you get an idea about what we're dealing with here and then we'll get into the interview. As this band's name suggests, rhythm is what we'll get. They bring in elements of funk, psychedelia, soul, progressive jazz, afrobeat, and R&B into their sound. As a YouTube commenter noted, if lettuce and snarky puppy had a baby it would sound something like this fierce guitar work a punchy horn section melodic funky bass and keyboard wizardry combined for incendiary work polyrhythmics rely on circular grooves and melodic content a state of song that induces a trance like lost in the music experience and we are going to hear from ben bloom on guitars and bassist jason gray who's also one hell of an engineer Behind the boards. And yeah, I might have been a little late to the polyrhythmics party, but I am so on board. Um, and I'm really stoked to present this conversation with Jason and Ben on episode 59 of the Upful Life podcast. I'm your host, B Getz. This is the cutdown. Yes, indeedy. very special day in the up for life podcast and in my life because i'm sitting here in the glorious phantasmagorical confines of spirit of swanee music park very dear to my heart with uh, two gentlemen from the band polyrhythmics ben bloom guitarist and jason jason gray bassist <laughs> they just played two sets here at uh, swanee rising 2022 and i had the good fortune of having tracked them down in between some music for a quick conversation on the up for life podcast so gentlemen welcome
1: thank great, you great to be here with you b feelings
0: <laughs> are mutual and you know ben you and i go way back so this is going to be fun and i'm stoked to have just met jason uh, big fan of the band big fan of just that we, we got a lot of venn diagram crossover yeah. in life and music uh, so this is going to be great so let's talk about uh the here and now we're here at Swanee Rising. I know it's not your first time here, but uh, reflections, you played a night set, you played a day set. Uh, you went on after the Dumpster Funk, George Porter, real special set, and then obviously kind of um, took the afternoon by storm, really gave people like the battery in the back for the last day of the festival. So uh, I'm curious what reflections you have on, on the, the two performances and the energy of this
1: place or anything you want to share about like this visit. Yeah, well, first of all, um, this is our first time actually getting to spend time here in the music park and take in the whole vibe of it all. We were here once in 2019 for Hulaween, and we were in the middle of a a tour in the southeast where we were playing like every night, and we basically came in and out for a set that night, and it was like right in the middle of the tour. The band was like at each other's throats we were like fighting and just not you know like in the darkest days of of a run and we pull into this park and it was just like like lit up like a light bulb in you know in a desert (laughs) basically it was just like an amazing um sight for the eyes and senses and um we rocked a set and we drove out of here basically being like god i wish we could have stayed here for a little while longer we drove to like lafayette tennessee or something ridiculous to play like a show for like 12 people instead of staying here and partying Um, so this time is really special because we're actually able to experience what the vibe is here the amazing power of the park the beauty of nature um, the amazing people and of course like all the all the structures and like infrastructure that's here that's like historical um, you know, I know we connected last night on the, on the gentleman who built the tree houses here, who we know from Southern Oregon. So it's just like a lot of worlds kind of colliding. Remind me of his name again. His name is Michael. Okay. Um, and he's a legend in the yeah. tree house building community as, you know, we had no idea he built this here or that he was going to be here at all, but, um... We've we played his compound in Tekilma, Oregon, which is a very special place, um, bunch of tree houses up in the trees. and So just like all the little connections that are kind of coming together with us hanging here on the ground and kind of getting to, into the vibe of it. And I feel like musically we were able to come in and sort of like assess the situation and be like, this is how we feel. Let's play something that reflects how we're feeling based on this experience that we're having right now. And I think that anytime we get a chance to do that and sort of add to the soundtrack of, of the... You know, of the experience overall, um, it's you know it's the greatest way that we can present our music. So, very, feel fortunate enough to have that time, time out of time, as they say.
0: I think you all were the only ones that got two sets.
1: Yeah, I I, I didn't know that coming into the festival, but I saw uh, it seems like that. Yeah, and which is you know it makes me feel even more grateful for them to allow us that experience because you know obviously we're far away. It was really expensive to get here and whatever, but. It's just really nice that it feels like we were welcomed into this community with like such open arms and um the people were really stoked to hear what we were ready to bring you know that's just the that's just the greatest thing i think it's a
0: testament to your music and like your vibe that um two things that my perception of being here for a long time uh, knowing paul the way i do is a very difficult slot to follow this very special meters tribute with George and dumpster was a lot of tears and it was also like heavy like yeah. heavy loud heavy aggressive heavy emotions and very few artists period bands whatever are cut from a mold that can then uh, you know it's like what in the Roots song where they're like you know how are we supposed to rock after them yeah. you know like how you supposed to go on after the Roots how are you supposed to go on after that but you did in a way that was like so vibey just like everyone was like really intense energy like stoked emotional sad spent spun all the things and y'all i said this last night y'all like surrounded us with vibe you didn't crash the one or like hammer us hard or try to go haymaker for haymaker with who played before you and instead just like created this like cauldron of vibe where everybody just homogenized. The dance floor was fucking raging and good energy, like, 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 you know, how we like to get down. Like it was just. Yeah. And that to me is like the litmus test, not just playing after that band, but seeing the way the crowd responded to your music, like surrendered to the flow, to borrow a phrase, Mm -hmm. is a test because this is a special place with a special community. And like y'all did the near impossible, which was to go on after that and still you know land the trick as they say but uh, I don't want to leave you out Jason is this your uh, first time other than hulaway in here
2: yep same right situation
0: what are, what are some of your reflections coming through here uh for Swanee Rising specifically
2: um coming back here is an exciting it was an exciting proposition from the beginning when we found out we were, we were going to be coming back um I think Ben alliterated a little bit on that about how uh how special the impression was the first time and how we wish we could have stayed and experienced more of the energy here and uh and i think that's part of what we brought like when we like it's the, the the unique thing about playing live music in so many different locations is you're coming in with a certain type of energy right you're coming into town off of you know in the middle of a tour when say we're at each other's throats or um, you know, maybe at the beginning of the tour when there's that new energy, when we're fresh back out on the road and we're all stoked, whatever it is it's different and when we came here this time I believe it was uh, fueled by our previous experience here and to, to be able to come back and actually spend some more time and dig in a little bit is, you know we're all looking forward to it and it's been fantastic this, this place is truly magical it sure is, yeah and yeah,
0: like I said, the two sets thing, like traditionally the you know Halloween aside talk bear creek like the pillars got two lettuce dumpster master sounds like that's who gets two sets when they come through here and swanny rising is kind of like the grandchild of bear creek it's like a mini bear creek better weather slightly slower pace maybe about half the people and that's what's cool about rising is is it's small like i love hula it's my favorite festival you know burning man aside but it's so go 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 you know y'all were in out like there's so many stages so many people whether it's the egress the volume of people the pace of course like the all-night sound camp parties there's no opportunity for this there's no opportunity for the drop-in we had with jake from funk city right like that stuff doesn't happen at hula that's why we also like to come to the folksy fest but i don't want to get too much off the path other than to say it's a subtle uh it's a subtle nod to what Paul, you know, or what I perceive Paul to think of y'all's band to bless you with the twofer. The other side, I think, is like he really wanted y'all probably to go on after George and them because of the vibe and the dance and the dub on the energy on the porch stage, which that's also a legendary stage, that porch stage. We'll come back to that. But uh, the other thing is, I think he obviously felt like y'all deserve to play the amp the amp is the throne it's like the house that let built or for some people the house that the almonds built yeah and you know yes you should play the porch after george but like polyrhythmics deserves to play a set on the throne (laughs) hence the twofer and y'all delivered completely different experiences both right on time for the moment the energy time of day
1: tenor of the crowd amazing yeah, it's a big it's a big festival with all of the trappings, you know. Right. And you know, we've been seeing music for a long time. There's times when you want to get down on that level, you know what I mean, where it's like intensity and lights and experience and just be immersed in art and the whole thing, and not worry about waiting on lines or whatever. And then there's times where you want to have a low key experience with your homies and your friends. You want to reconnect with people and take in music in a maybe more personal way, you know, that's a little less. Uh, whatever but but all all those experiences are important you know and I think it's just amazing I mean all the first of all we feel extremely blessed to be able to be playing two sets here Um, obviously the weight of the amount of heavies that have come before us in this place and just in general in the scene you know is not lost on us in any way it's so uh, uh we feel very honored to even just be like starting to crack the surface of like getting some people's ears on the music that we're that we're doing and getting out to those places and feeding that that hunger with some live shows um and so i think that it's just like one of those you know great gifts that we've been given in this universe to be able to to come here for both of those types of experiences and i can't wait to come back for a something completely different next time or Hopefully something big hula. you know i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna beat the drum berg if you're listening yeah let's oh, go berg come on know, let's, we're gonna make this <laughs> shit happen because you know i wasn't in 2019 we went so huge 2018 i got engaged Mary yeah. marry all that stuff that we actually took 2019 hula off but i had a number of conversations this weekend with fans about your set on the campground stage so take me there, like, I thought last night was a raging party, what did you think of, uh, like, playing Spirit Lake, was it after dark?
1: It was after dark, it was psychedelic, it was, like, you know, they had the, they had these, like, um, uh, projections on the lake, you know, like, the rotating skull projections, it's just, like, you know, stuff that you're just, like, I mean, you know, not to get too, like, detailed, but, like, my, the little spidey like, LSD synapse sense in the back of my neck, like, just, like, triggered immediately, which is a feeling I haven't really felt in, like, seven or eight or years, you know, like, in earnest, where you walk in, and you're just, like, just a little bit would go a long way right now, you know, like, one of those kind of, kind of, um, just, like, the door was, like, opening for me kind of thing, Um, so it was just a magical thing. We, you know, like I said, the energy of the band, sometimes we play our best shows when we're at odds in um, interpersonal ways, you know, because it's just a release, and there's 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 a way to reconnect with your homies that you know sometimes your emotions aren't allowing you to do but when you tap into the the root that we're all you know that w- the reason that we're all that all of us in this band have been put on this earth to, and the reason that we're all together traveling around here when you can tap into that thing and take all of the the you know the bright brain out of it and the conversational issues or whatever um, we tap into some of the best and most pure things you know it's like in the moments of like the most complete chaos you obviously have the most you know you can sometimes have the most clarity in life you know we i'm sure that you've been through that in your life before and i think that that transcends musically for this group a lot um and we were that night in particular we knew we played a hot set like we were like that was fire we had a great time we were like hugging each other, you know. Like it was like it was like the release that we it's needed. medicine for whatever the issues were in the moment. Yeah, sure. and a lot of it's sure. like logistical shit, you know, like traveling, fucking sure. pains, and we're not making Close any money, quarters. and we're like in chapping into new markets where nobody knows what the fuck we're doing, and you know, the, they want us to play some covers, and we don't play covers, you know, like we're right. just not the thing. That other bands might be that people are, are like already imprinting you on you know when you go turn them on for the first time so you know whatever all that emotional shit was that set felt really good and you know talking about jake what was really kind of sealed it is like when we got home from that tour jake had posted like a youtube video of it that we got to watch and started seeing people commenting on like sharing it was like one of the like the the best like live videos that we've had someone take of ours that got some attraction Thank you.
0: for the cause a couple of golf cart ragers uh rolled by so we kind of <laughs> had to take a, a pause and i should mention this is day three of the festival very little sleep yeah uh some imbibing a lot of dancing so uh if any of us seem slightly to the side like please excuse and, and occasionally i'm gonna have to take a pause when we uh you know there's bands playing in the background we got ragers around for those listening, actually, we're really tucked into this beautiful part of the park back by both the, uh, the RV camping and Lyle Styles uh, cabin is in this hood where there's some classic Bear Creek ragers. Um, so this is, you know, sacred grounds, as we were talking about, just like the, the depth of the, the, the connection here. I wanted to uh, to piggyback on something you said in your last response, which was about playing shows, going to markets, people don't know what you do, uh, you know, whether your know, financial indications, the travel, I mean, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but you're a Seattle band, so you're really coming not just east to west coast, but like northwest all the way to southeast, there's a lot to it. But that's the beauty of playing here and like landing here, like really making it count and like the fans here, I already heard your record being played in the woods since you last played. Like, somebody was like, went and put y'all on after they listened to y'all, which is a great sign, right? But now these people, this is a very regional type of event. Georgia, Asheville, all the way down to Miami, into like Alabama and stuff. So the people that came to this festival, you know, now some of them do know what you're about, do know what you do. They, if you do book something in these markets, uh, I'm not saying it's an overnight thing, Sure. but Hula... And now this, like, you've made an imprint, like, I was late to the party. But it wasn't until I saw you in the casino, post-Lettuce, when you played after them in Tahoe, that I really got hip to what y'all were about. And then since then, you know, I've just been, like, getting familiar,
1: getting hip to it. So I hear (laughs) the talk on the streets thank you man that means a lot to us because you know that record in particular you know we were we just went for it the pandemic hit and we're like we have two records in the can that need to come out so we're going to release them regardless of whether it's good for us or not like business wise or whatever and we had to get them out of the pipe so that we could make more music you know that's the way that we operate when we're like all in on a project and then when the project if the the project's got to get out to the world before we're ready to move on to that next thing right and uh so that's just that's the thing like leave as much of it behind so that that came out at probably in May of 2020 <laughs> when right. it was like this is the worst time possible for a, like you know you should save the record this they, they say you know <laughs> well, yes or no it was
0: unprecedented time because people were home and they could consume art videos whatever but at the same time you can't take it on the road exactly like, I made sure it got in my best of the year shit you know uh, we appreciate I mean, it was you know again not on some homie shit art for art's sake you know like it was one of the be- my favorite records of the year and I said so but I just think that that album much like Les Special Ancient Homies which is on RoboDope and y'all Man of the Future uh, Color Red is like dope label band doing their own thing art for art's sake that's the stuff I want to champion that's why I'm doing this pod that's why I do what I do is I also wanted to ask maybe we, Jason you could take this one like I'm I'm plugged into New Orleans and from the Philly area. I got crew in New York, spent a lot of time in New York. Denver, of course. Um, Shout out to Chris Littlefield, friend of the pod. Take me to the scene in Seattle, like, because we're talking about Swanee here. I want to know like, like how did the band kind of like establish their space, their fans, their, what you have, like the home base anchor like tell me about Seattle because I, I don't know what the scene is like there at all
2: yeah so this the Seattle music scene I, sh- I feel like I showed up kind of just in time just in time for uh, for kind of the tail end of a lot of really cool projects that were that had been the Seattle standards or Seattle uh, institutions for a while um, Let's see, there was, uh, what was a Funk Scribes Band, was uh, Altered States of Funk, mm-hmm. uh, Marmalade, that was like thick in the Marmalade days. Littlefield was what Marmalade Right, did. yeah, yeah.
0: If you don't know what to do, that's because you ain't getting funky for true. You can't be just sitting around listening to the beat of the Marmalade sounds. If you don't know where to go, got to get your booty up on the floor.
3: Can't be just sitting around, got to get up to get down. Come on. Hey.
2: Down. Speaking of CD man, he's such a sweet human being. Like, I, it's really cool to hear that. Um, that my that, that adds up in totally with what I know yeah. about him. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a, he's a super nice humor. dude. Yep. And uh, so yeah, I I, uh, I kind of got exposed to the Seattle music scene um, in that, and you know, Marmalade was I would go see Marmalade at Toast, right, which is a venue that doesn't even exist any longer. We and had one uh, of those in Burlington. Yeah, no relation. Club Toast. Club Toast. wow. Um, yeah, that's cool. It's uh, and you know that was one of the places, one of the first places I played. You know, as a musician in Seattle, and I kind of, I kind of showed up as a beginner, really. You know, uh, it took to this profession later on in life, and um, and I found the Seattle music scene to be really welcoming. You know, it was a really, really, um, yeah, just a really inclusive vibe. Um, part of me wants to say like a little bit like a low price of entry. You know, but not in not in a bad way, not in a negative way. It's just that everybody's welcome to kind of come up and like do their thing, right? Um, which there's you know there's a lot of jam sessions in the city, which you, which some of the best musicians lead and interact with all ranges, right, from beginner to advanced to whatever. You know, whatever you are, show up. Showing up is the big part in right. Seattle, right? And so showing up to the scene, the people who show up and the people who keep showing up are the ones that end up, you know, end up owning it really. And and, uh, and I f- I feel really uh, really honored, and really blessed to consider myself one of those people. I feel like I'm part of the scene. I showed up, and I kept showing up, and and it's it's uh, it's, it's led me to the to the polyrhythmic dudes. I was I was actually um, going to school for music at Cornish College of the Arts, and uh, that's how I met Grant, the drummer. Um, and uh, we both knew Ben through different avenues, through other bands in the scene. Um, and uh, the three of us got together and basically made a plan. The polyrhythmus was fairly planned out from the beginning. Um, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the more fundamental ideas actually stemmed from Ben. He had uh, a vision for this coming into it. And uh, from what I understand, the phone call went from, you know, when Grant called Ben, is like, oh yeah, I've been thinking about that. You know, so was, Ben had already had a vision for that and um, and has, has led us through that. Um, Interesting that it started out as um, intended to be a recording project. Right, this was never really intended to be like a full-on like touring band. Like our I objective was to make records. on that. Yeah, I want
0: to hear more about the, the modus operandi mission from the embryo.
2: Right. Yeah. And so from the beginning, it was, like I said, it was fairly organized. Um, we we kind of said, okay, cool. We want to make like there's there's no one really doing like this Afro beat influenced uh, original funk. All instrumental music in Seattle. There's there's some bands doing it but not not really uh, we're coming a little more from the early influences of like the the Daptones crew, um, Budo's band, Menahan, um, yeah the textures and 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 it's it's interesting looking back I can see how different members of the band were creatively uh, integrating those influences in different ways of the writers of the band would take you know ben ben was a a prominent early writer in the band and he was taking a lot of those more uh, musical construction cues and here i was uh, the engineer looking at the textures and the sounds and trying to incorporate how to apply that to both my playing and to the crafting of our recordings which are all self-produced the the band does a terrific job of of producing this music just really collectively is as as far as the 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 input from each member uh, from the beginning it's been it's been so collaborative and and really a big a big lesson in in uh, personal dynamics for all of us and and I think that's really what that's the fire that keeps us together is the fact that we can overcome our differences and the product is amazing like and then as long as we allow it to be it, it, it always turns out that way yeah so
0: that's, that's really interesting that that in its inception it was not designed to be something to experience it was going to be not like a product but like a document like a, a piece of music to be listened to but it was not to be presented in the live element and what we're witnessing here is such an immersive full spectrum live music experience
4: mm-hmm. that
0: that journey from sort of a distilled vision in its beginning here's what we're trying to do here here's the cats yep. and then you in the engineer chair texture sound you know like to this living breathing thriving vibing organism what are you eight people up there fucking tentacles. <laughs> I mean dude that's incredible and I really appreciate you sharing that sort of nugget that sort of like because the average listener is not going to know that I watch y'all communicating up there you know see what you mean about that the exchange and one of the things I love about your band is very few solos very few solos textural you move as one like the music the collective moves as one and everybody does their little part it's a lot like conceptually like like reggae in the sense that mm-hmm. it's like filling space and the ghost notes are just as important, dynamics, that's what I want to get to, to the dyna- <laughs> that's maybe the most impressive part about the band, the dynamics get me off, like in a way, I don't know if you heard me, but anytime you went like, hold it back, hold it back, and then uh, the drop, the drop would come after the one, and it would just be like... <laughs> I would just hoot. I would just squeal. This is very effective. That's, and that, a lot of, you know, that's you with the different tones and like, you know, locked in the pocket with the bass line and then whatever effect or something that gives it just like this robust, bulbous, fucking resonant boom. But because you guys don't hammer us, it's very vibey. It's very dynamic that when you do bring out the nuclear, it's like catatonic you know what i mean and that energy band fan that exchange when that happens and it's organic you can't even i love electronic music but it doesn't happen the same way the drops are dope and also orgasmic but it's not the same alchemy as what that is and and y'all are so great at just uh, delivering those pops those like Energy blasts of dynamics. Um, like, was that part of the plan in the beginning? Was that like we're gonna be a band of dynamics? We're gonna be a band that moves those one. Was that part of the, or did you figure that out on the way, on the road, like on the on the journey?
2: I think it's funny. I think as far as the, the, the dynamics go, the band really likes to play with that. Like that's us being playful with the energy because right, like, like a lot, of what you're talking about, like when you, when you drop the nuke, it's like, I, and especially as it pertains to the to the bass effects in my own playing and how I how I point my energy and how I envision it is, um, with respect and regard to the energy, like just like that, like holding it back, taking it up high. So because there's, there's actually physically less energy when you play a little higher notes, right? And when you send those low notes, you're actually sending a lot more juice, and and, and being discerning about where to apply that. Um, is for this band has been an exchange between writing and recording and performing because we 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 field test our tunes most of our tunes long before they're ever captured on recording and we see how we feel about them when we do a certain thing we look at the crowd the audience and see how they feel when we do a certain thing and when that lines up when both are good okay cool let's keep that part of the arrangement and then it makes it on the record so in a sense, you can kind of say that the audience really helps us write the record because they're the first ones to experience the music that we write before we capture it. And So uh, going back to the dynamics, a lot of our dynamic decisions of where to drop it, when to drop it, when to pull it back, when to hammer it home, are dictated by how we feel when we play our new music for our people on stage. That's so fucking cool. And righteous. It is truly an organism it is
0: it's 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 a back and forth it's a reciprocal symbiotic thing and when even like when you say when you drop it when you like where I use like the word nuke even then it's tasteful it is never obnoxious aggressive anything other than still in the zone that y'all exist in but great great articulation of the energy and the resonance in the lower frequencies and like that's sacred it's also like a whole lot so like if you overdo it, it just becomes like it, it loses its fucking edge and and that's dynamics in a nutshell but particularly like in terms of the dance the the band i live for that i mean started with us with fish back in the day right like mm-hmm. losing yourself in the dance the exchange where it's like has nothing to do with like dancing with someone it's it's a art form of the music, what comes from that is like the music fills us up and then we release that in movement, which is art which then, as you just told me informs the art the reaction the energy, the exchange like that is for me, what it's all about like sober, spun funk drum and bass, whatever is like that exchange of the artist and the dance and that i live for it i chase it burning man Swanee, jazz fest high sierra i'm after the dance and y'all gave it to us in extreme potency twice <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Robbie Kreblin, who is our mutual friend, my best friend, he's going to be in my wedding party, uh, I met him on the Hebrew bus, elementary school age, he had like a Def Leppard back patch, I had Motley, we talked hair bands, we both had mullets, and this friendship was born, right? Robbie doesn't listen to the pod, if at all, very infrequently, so Robbie, I hope motherfucking Ben Bloom is enough for you to listen to this podcast, Never misses Jeopardy? But he doesn't listen to <laughs> Anyway, love you, Robbie. So, uh, I grew up with Rob, and, and Ben went to college with Rob, and was in a band with Rob, a couple times ever, a yeah. Boston band, and a post-college band, The Truth, right? Yeah. You and I would cross paths, shows, fish stuff mostly, and I'd come to visit Robbie, etc. We also have a lot of mutual friends, and as we noted off the air earlier, um... This thing of ours, La Cosa Nostra, as as the what they call it, um, is really rooted in the fertile seeds that were planted in the northeast. I mean, everything comes back to the fucking hate and the dead and fucking Coltrane and LSD. But our thing, La Cosa Nostra, this thing of ours, right. is rooted in the sort of post-Garcia's passing window pre-2000. It was just like this blip of an artistic explosion in a genre that didn't really exist yet. And we're just lucky that our folks sent us away to school in that region, right? And all the stuff that we experience here, as you noted earlier, can really be traced back to, like, the blueprint, whether it's Berkfest, whether it's the stuff that was going down in the sort of uh, Berkeley... Universe, and then the diaspora, where the Berkeley folks went, who they met, all that stuff. BU, I was in Burlington, Vermont, New Hampshire played a role. Portland, Maine, uh, Providence with the Slip, right? Yep. So uh, Connecticut with uh, you know like Garrett, yeah. Um, Miracle Orchestra, pre motet. I'm just giving the listeners uh, some. Kind. I know you know all this shit already. I bet you probably do too. But not everybody listening like understands the. The depth of the sort of filial tradition from then to now, but you do. So I'm going to go back there, man. Did you realize it in real time that you were like a part of something that would be you sort of like lifelong community organism thing? Did you know that back then? Or were you just like, this is fun as fuck. And then now in the rear view mirror, you realize you were there
1: for the magic. I think I realized it then. I think that when I, when I went to school in Boston, it was kind of purposeful. Like, I wanted to go to music school, and I was already pretty clear that there was nothing left, there was nothing else in my life that was important, that was more important than music. Like, it was, I didn't have all the skills or the facilities or even, like, the, any kind of understanding of how the music industry would work or, you know, what it really would take to be that. But I knew that what I was here to do was to play and to leave things, leave music behind that was original and... My in high school. In high school, when I was um, in New York, where I grew up, I had a really, really um, dynamic crew of really talented musicians that I went to high school with, and we were we had a, a great jazz band program with um, an amazing band director named Carl Stroman, who wrote music for Warner Brothers. All this stuff stuff, but he, but mostly he played like every instrument. He was a trombonist and, and a Rhodes player, and he would turn us on to like, you know, Return to Forever and Frank Zappa and all this stuff all this stuff as like a rhythm section for the jazz man to like you know get schooled in like the here the people who are like doing stuff so we would do like peaches and regalia and we do like Herbie tunes like off off practice hours you know and he sort of built up this this rhythm section which turned out to be my band in high school all of us who are still performing music today professionally um which is like a story for another day but you know that coming to Boston University, I was like, I want to go to music school, and my parents were like, You should probably do something that's going to pay you some money, so that when you're a starving artist, you can at least pay for your, you know, whatever. Though the Jewish the tradition, fallback you know,
4: plan.
1: the fallback plan. So I was like, Well, Boston's the place for that, right? Because you know, it's like all these music schools and all these bands that I already kind of knew about were there, and so I went to BU and I met, you know, Rob Marsher right away, who you know from the Addison Group Project. He was in my class and, um, you know, just got, just got sort of immersed into that scene. And at the time, you know, I knew the Northeast was the place. Like we had bands like Medesky, Martin, and Wood that were playing all the time. You know, we had the slip, we had, you know, just, uh, 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 what was, what's, um, the Miracle Orchestra, like you mentioned. Club Delph. Uh, Schleho, um, You know, crazy bands. Club Actual Delph. Proof. Actual Proof. right from the Boston, you know, the, the early Boston days. And of course, a uh, band called Kudu with D'Anthony Parks, like playing drum and bass before, like anyone really heard anything like that before yeah. on a live kit. And, you know, and, these are... Uh,
0: what was it? Nick Casper? Oh, yeah. The keyboardist of Kudu. That's right.
1: Genius. That's right. I completely Just forgot. Get
0: it. Shout out Nick Casper.
1: That's thank you, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I just, I just turned the Electric Keith guys on to that band. Kudos! Like you got to check this out because they're all about that area too. So, and speaking of them, like, like Dave Fusinski and his band Keith at the time was their right. big influence, and they didn't think anybody ever had heard that band. I'm like, I oh, used to see them at the Wetlands all the time. Like, you know, like so, the, what was happening there was like undeniable, right? It was undeniable even as like a kid. Maceo Parker, you know, with with the Life band, on Planet Group, with that Goldings. band, Larry Goldings on, on Hammond organ playing in Portchester, you know, yeah. like you know, like these little tiny places and like yeah it was like hot and 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 it was amazing and our access to that culturally live you know being able to take advantage of the cities that we lived in philadelphia new york city boston you know these places that are just like have it all all the time and able to access it at a young age um, was transformative right and so went to boston went to school there knew i wasn't whatever i was learning wasn't going to be the thing but i wanted to just be immersed in the in the whole experience overall um and so you know, I started playing in bands there. Um, Robbie Kay and I were homies, you know, from the from the very very beginning, and um, and we, you know, had a, had and some of your crew too from from like, uh, like Drew Cressman, sure. great great jazz guitar player, Huge Bernstein. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, so anyway, we had a really great, great hang. And and we were you know, we were immersed in music in like I feel like at that like people who were in college then making music were like already professionals, like lettuce, soul like seeing them perform even then you were like
0: Wally's days, that kind
1: of shit. Yeah, exactly. Wally's and house parties in Austin yeah. and things like that. You know, I remember specifically a gig which is like Drew Cressman and I and, and I think Krevlin were on it, and um, a drummer named Michael Lewis were playing at this house party in Austin, the Red House, and like Kraz shows up, and we had just the seen Solat. the, Red, the house. Red House, of course, the Red House. Shout out to anybody who knows the Red house, Mike Pop the crew
0: mike pop what up mike pop dude yep. talk about 1.0 fish tour exactly what up michael pop
1: so you know the um crowds came to the party and we were jamming and he's like can i sit in he walks over to cressman's like can i sit in and Kressman's like no because <laughs> he wanted to play like he wanted to play and we were like I was like that's we just saw so like that's you know crowds and you should get him on get him up here or whatever it was just like totally uh one of those like funny you know early interactions but <laughs> You know, in high school, we were also fortunate enough to have a band like Fish, who was who was not only taking the improvisational thing live every night in, in a different way, for in, on full display in a rock in like a rock and roll way that was like no other bands were doing. But we were able to see so many shows. I mean, you know, you could see Fish like twenty times a year without even really doing anything. You know, like without missing a day of school, without any of that stuff. Um, and and you know, Modesky Martin Wood was like the first band that broke open the imp- the live improvisation thing for me to where I was like, what is happening here? How are they communicating without talking to each other? Right. Like, and seeing that in small club, it was amazing. But then seeing, you know, fish do that every night with the tension and release with the building, the epic rock solo, with all the guitar solos, with the production, with the whole thing and with the scene behind it, it was, you know, it was really inspiring obviously. Yeah. And I feel like that the, the us, our generation of, people who got to witness that at a time when it was still inclusive and it wasn't there was no, no jaded anything it was something that was fresh and new it was like you're camping you're going to show it wasn't about money it was about just getting in the door having the experience with your friends and being like what just happened how did that how did that transition you know like talking about it in such detail
0: it was life outside of life
1: i started this little funk
3: group because we can uh we can't end this whole thing without a little bit more funk since that's kind of been the thing so just for those of you who want to take off take off but for those of you who just want to dance to the funk you know uh we're gonna stay around and keep moving so uh thanks a lot it's really been fun and we'll see you guys this summer
1: Going on the tours, connecting with your friends, connecting with other musicians. For me, it was really about about seeing these bands pr- perform with musician friends of mine, and being able to geek out on the elements of music that was like we just didn't have. There, it was like there. It was like a, just a guidebook of like how to live your life musically. You're like, how did he make that transition? Like, they dropped was, was it was that in five? Like, what was going on there? You know, or like that thing where the drummer communicated by playing his hi hat three times, like or whatever it was. Like, how did you know, like, how do we do that? You know? And so that all was just like, was just, you know, was always there, thankfully, because of the area that we lived in and, the, and the, the influences that we had from older brothers or whatever it was that kind of turned us on to those first bootlegs that kind of got us out the door. So, you know, I, what's amazing now coming back to the now right now with all this stuff is like so many people that we'd go to shows with, whether it be you and your crew from Vermont, or, you know, just like, I don't know whoever like Michigan kids, all these different like kind of crews yeah. of the one fish generation are like all the the people making things happen now in this music in the music industry. Yeah. And of course, that's the way it is. Yeah. You know, like of course because that what we all live through in that for the music and music industry and jam band community and improv- improvisational music and the acceptance of instrumental music even to a wider community, um breaking down the barriers of like jazz being like you know, not an art form, like a craft or something, you know, like really like just blowing open all those doors. I I feel like that it had such an impact on so many people's lives that we're experiencing now here, you know, I mean, like you've obviously taken the music um, experience and writing to like, you know, to become your life and your career and your path with, which is bringing just your passion for music, which you had then, you know, into, into like something that people can actually benefit from, you know, for me, it was really about learning the way of music. And doing that with musicians and my friends, my music community grew and grew and grew. And it diversified as we got older. You know, I didn't, I fell off up from seeing fish in the late 90s and didn't get back into seeing fish till I met my wife in, you know, 2011, you know, like whatever. So it's like there was a big gap in there where I was listening to a lot of other stuff other than fish. Um, and those, just that, those pathways, like comes back down to like the people that I meet now. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course of course you're managing this band, or of course you made this festival happen somewhere where no one thought it was possible, or of course you have, you know, a podcast that has a million listeners, or whatever it is, you know, or of course you're playing shows for 80,000 people in Europe, you know? Um, I just think it's all... It was, we're really grateful to, a, and just, it's just amazing that we were a, be able to be a part of that. And it's special. It's, a, there's vibrations that happen at certain time periods in life. The Northeast in the 90s, you know, Hayden Ashbury in the 60s. Whatever you want to do, that, yeah. the, the, the deep funk revolution that happened, you know, yeah. when the poets of rhythm in Germany and the daptones and all that stuff that, that's kind of started releasing records and the Boy All-Stars and, you know, all these bands from the West Coast started making, like, old records yeah. that sounded like master sounds. the new master sounds. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. whole thing you know those little moments in time um they have ripple effects down the road that people will experience for generations and generations to come and a lot of that is based on the content that's being created now by these bands that you're talking about you know and that you're that we're going to witness so bringing it back boston you know the northeast where we lived all that different stuff um and our relationship you know we got to see and figure out a lot of the things, like a lot of the things that we were figuring out then, like how to get from show to show by selling grilled cheese or selling hemp jewelry or selling, you know, nugs that you bought from your buddy or whatever before you went on tour. No
0: GPS, no fucking computer in your pocket.
1: I mean, I used those skills yesterday when, when our van rental didn't happen and we had to go, like, wrestle up some some rental cars in Atlanta and there were none to be found. And I'm like, well, there's no way we're not making this gig. Like, right. we're making the gig, of course. You know, it's like, these are the things that, you know, all those skills he are didn't like...
0: really play Swanee if it wasn't a shit show getting here.
1: No, I mean, everything is in life, though, is yeah. obstacles, right? And what we learned then, whether it's musically or just getting to the gig or getting the ticket to get in the door, to have that experience with your friends was that, you're gonna you're gonna make it happen you are you know what i mean i am and so that make it happen thing um was really kind of the the thing that that one made me move to seattle out of boston after after um i graduated college um and to like really kind of started the my music career once i left boston um was taking that engine that was firing and like turning it into a vehicle of of my creation you know of our creation here oh uh, mm-hmm.
0: dude so well stated man and there's so much to unpack in <laughs> what you just said like i first things first i want to come back to real quick maceo parker life and planet groove yeah we, re- we referenced that yeah. also the record that lit the lettuce flame that and thrust but that's what they listened to together to get stoked in like the 90s at berkeley sure life on planet groove that just was such a, a passageway for because it was like Classic James Brown vibes, funk vibes, stuff you recognize from hip hop samples, but the fidelity of the recording, the the oomph, yeah, was like, whoa.
3: We like to do 2% jazz, 98% funk stuff. Good go. stuff. Happy. Yeah. Good go. Happy music is when you hear it. You start moving and shaking something automatically. That's what it, that's what it is. And you smile a lot.
0: And, and that was just the passageway for so many of us to find the funk. And you brought up the Grey Boys. And the Grey Boys, and I've had Carl on the pod and Robert Walter, and we've talked about it. But they were in this unique space where, like, they jammed and you could dance, but they were nothing like the dead or fish. But they just existed in a space where it was, like, a, something you could get with. You know, but it was so its own thing. And it was, you know, retro and rare groove and boogaloo. But it was just enough of the Venn diagram that the hippies like to dance, and like, you know, cats that were into jazz and funk, and they caught lightning in a bottle, and you reference Mideski, Martin, and Wood. Of course, there was the Trey sit-in in Albany, which really put them on the map for us, but they were already like neck deep in the village, mm-hmm. you know, downtown New York jazz thing, and then you, they started bringing in dance music vibes, Logic, programmed drums, all the sort of textural dubby shit, And so those were just these pivotal artists' passageways for us to plug in to something that we didn't even know what it was. Jam thing happened on the nightclubs and Berkfests and early Bonaroos. And you got a hand it to High Sierra. They were there early and often, you know, flagship fucking event. Jazz Fest, High Sierra, Jam Cruise, like, they're so unique. And I think Bear Creek should be in the conversation, even though it was shorter-lived. These were, like, these pivotal events that gave, like, the, us... A, place to go and homogenize different types of music where you could play alongside like a green sky bluegrass and then you could have fucking tipper. You know, like yeah. that stuff is the product of all this like thing that really began out like the music you heard uh at Loring Air Force Base in Maine in between fish sets, whether hip hop, yeah, funk, you heard some shit, you went over to the camp, you got hip, then you went home, got the disc or whatever Well I
1: mean that alone, like we are tapping into there it was probably like you know undeniably is probably the most important part of that experience right is the fact that at that time it wasn't like people were only listening to fish right it was like people who were going to see yeah. fish were in on an early because it was so amazing but it was like everyone was sharing their 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 cuts their playlists, their their mixtapes of like rare funk or whatever we or like disco like the disco tents late night or whatever you're getting turned on and so like connecting with your friends in the mid-atlantic who you hadn't seen in a while or your friends up in burlington are like turning you on to like check out this thing that experience like it went beyond like the bootleg trading of like one band or great grateful dead it was like that was really like the way that you know that I got turned on to so much stuff everything from bluegrass to jazz to funk to like there's so much music that came out of that influence and I think that that um, jam jam band music gets a bad rap now because a lot of um, a lot of people like categorize their fans as like they only listen to this or whatever and I don't know if that's true or not at this point but what I do know is that every what every band wants are jam band fans okay. that's funny <laughs> you said that
0: because on this podcast Adam Schmienz Schmienz shout out Schmeen's uh I asked him because, like, Lettuce, for them, the jam band thing has been like gift and a curse and it's been discussed ad nauseum, they ran from it, they embrace it, you know, and Shmeen said the same thing you did in different words, which is like, jam band does not describe the band or the music, it's the audience. I thought that was so brilliant of Shmeen's to turn it around from the stage to the rage. (laughs) The jam band is out there. Yeah. You know we're just playing the
1: music yeah we're playing funk music and they're here to right. jam band and they're
0: not just playing <laughs> funk though. They're no no of course not just i like mean yeah no of course not funk. i
1: didn't mean to i don't mean to put right. them in a box like of course not that you know that's but, what
0: jam band is though you can't put it in a box because you say funk well this other song is more hip-hop and then this other song is trap and then try to what, what is one word we'd say about polyrhythmics like you can't put funk you wouldn't say like
1: I think Jazz, instrumental. Dub, you know, <laughs> we're not going all those things. We're not gonna sing. All
0: right, we've been hogging up and talking yep. northeast jam bands and yeah, fish yeah. or whatever. I have no idea your roots. So while we're geeking out on Fish Tour in the '90s and and building the jam band world, in the past twenty years, what is Jason up to? What are you listening to? What scenes are you plugged into? Like you know, twenty ish years ago.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's uh. I'm glad you asked, and it's, a, it's going to be a short story, but I took a break from music and really from my engagement, my active engagement in in seeking music. The draw never took a break, but I just, um, after high school, I spent a year or so trying to get out of my hometown in California, basically. What, where is that, if you don't mind me asking? It's a little town called Porterville. Okay. And uh, yeah, south of County? Fresno, Tulare County. Okay. Yeah, south of Fresno, north of Bakersfield um square in the in the in the heart of the the agricultural you know the bread basket of the of the country basically um and so anyways lots of crops and lots of micro workers to pick those crops right so it led to a little bit of a depressed economy i needed out i knew i wanted out i knew i didn't want to stay in that small town and so um i was in music i would played music uh, since elementary school through junior high and high school um i played lead trumpet in a big band which was really influential to my both my taste and my you know, my, my direction, my my textural you know, um inclinations as far as what sounds good, right? Early indications are important for that. And um then I I joined the Navy and I got out of town. Wow. My so my grandfather was in the Navy. Decorate. Yeah, yeah, nice. I um, <laughs> it's all good. I, um, yeah, I spent almost nine years in the navy. Uh, most of it as a nuclear engineer on submarines. Jeez. And that's smart, motherfucker. Uh, I, I test well. <laughs> just, just Put it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then uh, I got out, and music came calling back. Is what it boils down to. Um, I got out of the Navy and decided to, <laughs> to go to school, go to college for music. And so I got my undergrad in jazz bass performance at Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle. What and, year are we um, talking now?
0: You get out of the Navy
2: when? Out of the Navy was like fall of seven. Word. Um, I really kind of showed up on the Seattle music scene oh five-ish. Okay. Um, I, I came up to the Pacific Northwest in 2000. That was what started my, my career up here at the, you know, on the submarines. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's been an interesting road and uh, quite a left turn, right, from uh, from working on a submarine to uh, playing on stages like this, you know, here, there. But that's Swanee. a short story, like you said, but uh, I'm sure there's
0: got to be influence, even if you weren't plugged into a scene or contributing, like what was getting you off musically, like, in, the, in those days? What did you listen to on the submarine? What did you listen to in your life, in your teens and 20s, like that guy you stoked, like plugged you into music as the art form that you know yours
2: yeah I mean I was kind of uh when I was in high school I was a little bit of a jazz jazz band nerd and more than that a trumpet nerd and that I uh you know I listened to like Pancho Sanchez you know like the a lot Love of the, that, you know the the like um, yeah. you know a lot of hot hot horn players and all the latin bands right yeah. and so that's like you know the, and I was a lead player too I wasn't. I wasn't a heavy improviser. I was a. I was a lead player. So I was a, a high note horse. You know, I'd be just cranking out the, the top lead tones, and that's kind of what I. That's what I. I, was drawn to right early on, uh, like Doc Severinsen, Maynard Ferguson. You know, all of the. You know the. The, the more popular trumpet players, if there is such yeah. a thing, right? <laughs> How about he's not a trumpet player, but he featured a trumpet, like Mongo Santa Maria. Oh yeah, Mongo yeah. Santa Maria. I sure. inherited a ton of
0: Mongo Santa Maria vinyl.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I didn't get hip to that kind of that 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 depth of, of music until later, until after that. You know, I was still surface like Arturo Sandoval was was a was a big one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's yeah, that was those were my my earlier influences, and then you know like the the. <laughs> I, I mean I grew up kind of in like both my folks were teachers, we were like were grade school and high school teachers and I grew up in like kinda the suburb the, the suburb the suburbia of my small town. And so I didn't uh, I didn't have like any music venues. There was not really a lot of lot going on in town. The main thing was the high school programs and that was How were
0: you getting music? How were you finding these these records, these artists back then?
2: Um, I mean some of it honestly some of it was just just digging yeah. digging at the record shop yeah and like in a in, in, in a blind way just like literally like oh that's cool and like just asking people like and I know it's funny I remember asking my dad a couple times about music I'm like oh cool like we like I remember specifically I can't remember the name of the album but it's a Pink Floyd album with a, with a dude wearing a bunch of light bulbs on a suit right and uh, and I, I I flipped by I was like Oh this looks kind of neat And I asked my dad I was like He's like Oh that band That band's a little weird Pink right. Floyd Yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't know But it turns out it's To be one of my favorite My favorite bands sure. of all time right? I can and it's hear like, it When
0: you're playing Like the texture yeah. And like the Vibe huh. Tones Just like it's Floydian
2: yeah, yeah, that and that—that's uh, wow, cool, man. I've never heard that before. That's that's I interesting. Used... Yeah, so then I went through the 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 kind of went just went through the, the '60s charts basically, like Floyd, Zeppelin, you know, right. the Beatles. Is that what your dad played in the house? No, no. What did he play? Oh, uh, like Kenny G. Really? Yeah, like it was pretty dry around, cool. around, around where I grew up. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, um, and like Celine Dion, and like like we're talking like you know. You know, evening evening TV comedy. stuff, yeah. Like you the eighties was a tough time, you know. <laughs> I mean, no, it wasn't. I fucking
1: mean, incredible. No, there was a there was a lot of stuff happening, but like for like a common person, like you know, like who is like basically being fed whatever they're being fed. You know right. what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of like there. It was a it was a wasteland of of uh, of, of um, maybe poorly executed pop yeah. music that was being. Sure. Sort of shoved down people's yeah. throat, you know. It was kind of a transitionary time, I think. I mean, there was gems in there, of course, yeah. but they weren't playing the Talking Heads, and they weren't playing like you know MJ at the end there, you know. Prince. Kind of, of Good course, time. of Anita course,
0: Baker. Sade, I'm just saying there's a lot of in my 80s wheelhouse, but yeah. you're right, there's a lot of garbage
1: Just, I, th- of think, I think yeah, I I think, think, what was being also like, I think the radio stations changed you know, where it was like a little bit more like less out of the control of the DJ, a little bit oh, more yeah. like the, the your, clear
0: channelization
1: yeah, it was like corporate, corporate fed, like you're gonna play these records, sure. you know, it doesn't matter the, the what details. you think about them, yeah, or you, or you have to play at least this amount of tunes per, per set, you know, right. and so I think that was weird, 90s kind of took a little bit, there was like more rebel DJs coming back or um, you
0: went to listen, you listened to college stations in the '90s, right? right. Like you know, you, whatever your local, like yep, we have exactly. KBMR in in Nevada City or U yep. UPenn in Philly or whatever, and then those would be like real college radio, yeah. That's and then that was the where they played God
1: of, Street Wine, yeah.
0: Independent <laughs> stuff broke there, hip hop. I mean, that's how Public Enemy got heard.
1: Oh really? You know, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was like a college
1: radio station. That's surprising, actually. I would have thought yeah. differently, but that's amazing. We just did
0: a quick pause for the cause, um, and we realized that the great Luther Dickinson and his brother Cody and the North Mississippi All-Stars just hit the stage. You're a big fan of them, you're telling me. I right.
1: love Luther, man. He's like my, like I was telling you before. He's like my guitar spirit animal, dude. I just I uh, love his playing. He's like one of the most real guitar trends. You know, uh, some people can tran, uh, are like transfers of energy, you know, and he can play music from times before him, times the music that he writes, and it's all so believable and, I don't know, delivered with just like such authenticity that it's kind of undeniable. Love his tone. We've had a lot of great hangs. We met at Mom's Ball in New Orleans. That was our first time poly really nice playing in New Orleans. Sick. Exactly. Didn't know anything about Mom's Ball or what it even wow, was. really? We just got the, booked on this gig, and we show up, and, like, North Mississippi All-Stars is there. And it's, like, a 5,000-person party. Yeah, it's insane. And we were, like, raged. That's where we met um, Lyle and Paul and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, a lot of the crew, I guess, the Swanee crew and the Bear, Bear Creek, Creek crew. Bam. Um. And so yeah. Anyway, just had just have had some really great experiences with that dude and love his playing and love his band and
0: I'm excited to go check him out tonight. Definitely, he has a storied history here at the park at Swanee. Derek might is probably the fort is like the prodigal son, uh-huh. but Luther not far behind. You know, going back to the Swanee era, which was like the almonds fest that happened here for years and way before Bear Creek,
1: and you know Luther played those and. Yeah, Luther is beloved in this region. Well, it's understandable, and his, fami- his family, you know, I mean, he right. comes from just, like, such a rich recording tradition. Yeah. And that's, like, something that, you know, more important to me than anything else in music, as far as I love musicians who can shred, t- shred things to pieces on stage and impress me and do all that stuff, I love that. But, like, artists who are here to leave things behind and make the music that, that's, that they're creating purposeful and record it and make yeah. it art in the truth it's something that you can hold in your hand whether it's a you know a digital hand or not you know what i mean sure. but like just basically documenting it cuz experiences are one thing for sure and they're important cuz we that's the lifeblood of our that's that's the vibe that's the the spark right yeah. but like what you create in this world what you leave the world you know what you leave behind is the most important thing that's why that's i feel like why we're gift, given any kind of gift right is to basically make it so that that gift can be shared from here into eternity in some way. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix, luckily, in the short amount of time that he played music, recorded a bunch of music. And there's a lot of stuff considering the amount of time that he, that he played on this earth that you can hear. And it changed music because of that. If it was just the people that got to experience it live, do you think it would have had that impact? No. It would have been gone in a blip. But now you have now you have kids who are like six years old who can watch a YouTube video of Jimi Hendrix playing in Hawaii or whatever and just be like you know be right. take it from there into the next the next thing and that's just like being able to see that in real time with technology the way it is it, to me it makes it even more important to that artists take the time to record and get good at that and make you know do that thing that's what that's what polyrhythmics really is is about that's where we started that's what we're still too true to to this day that's what Jason has kind of grown his craft into building a studio in west seattle that we call home now and um, oh, that's dope!
0: What's that called? What's the studio called?
1: Blue Mallard Recording is right the name on. of the studio. Yeah, yeah. He's recorded some amazing um, bands this year, including the the lamar Organ Trio. I don't know if you know yeah, that group, but you know those um, some also of those also
0: beloved are, here. They've played a number of events th- at the park.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, they yep. were they were just through. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you know, Jason made all those records and the True Love's records and all kinds of great music. True
0: Love's record is sick. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Skarek. Next yeah, up on the pod.
1: Right on. Skarek. <laughs> yep. Not without Skarek. Speaking
0: man. of Seattle, I was remiss. Um, I have to shout out the ultimate homie, Marika. Yeah. Seattle. I know she'll listen to this episode because you're on it.
1: Right so on. What up Marika? The,
0: yeah, I met her at Symbiosis 2016. She was dancing near me. Uh, she just looked amazing and was like I talking about the blissed out dance thing that I chase I glanced over and this lovely young woman was also lost in the bliss dance We ended up becoming friends and one of the first things we discussed was our shared affection for you
1: Right on man. So well, shout out Marika. Shout out Marika. <laughs> shout out Marika. She's in, living in Cali now, I think. Yeah, in like yeah.
0: a tree house. Yeah We love you Marika. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: I know we want to get to the stage You want to get something to eat? We got to get some layers on real quick. What's next?
1: Well, we're about to, um, for one, we just finished recording a new record. We just finished nope. it, uh, done, done, sealed, kind of signed, sealed, delivered this last week. And so that's exciting to get some new music out the door. Label? Uh, yeah. So? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, we haven't even gotten that far in. yet. Likely, it'll likely it'll probably be a Color Red release, but cool. you know, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Like, literally, yeah. we just got done making the art, so. Right. You know, there's things that are out sure. of our control. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it'll probably be a Color Red release. So we're going to do, so that's done, and that's exciting. We're, we're going to be playing a festival in the Northeast um, uh, in Pennsylvania called uh, Jibber Jazz. I forget what the name of the festival is. Some kind of fun. Some kind of, some kind of jam is what some it's kind called. Of jam. Okay. It's kind of a weird uh, thing, but a lot of like great, great musicians have come through there and played that festival, and we've done it a few times out there. It's been really, really fun. So we're going to go back and do that and play in Asbury Park in New Jersey.
0: Home of the boss. That's right. Bruce Springsteen. Exactly. Robbie loves Bruce. I know. Like right next to Garcia. It's like one one M1A.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. We've, We've had many conversations. I'm not about a boss, the boss
0: guy. I respect him. I'm from Jersey. I represent, but there's I'm not a, a boss guy. There's a,
1: there, you know, in, luckily in New Jersey you have like five things that you could latch onto. You have your, like your Jovi. choice, you know, Jovi, of course. Yeah, you know? I'm,
0: I'm team Jovi, although yeah. not without Sambora. Yeah, I I'm with you on with that. The new shit.
1: I'm, not, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, you know, it's nice that any artist has a legacy like, like a long career like that. How are you, you gonna
0: know? do Wanted without those? You know, you can't do Wanted without Sambora. But I, I will. Here's the thing we were going to do just us. And I'm so glad you came because we were able to talk about the whole band. Yeah. We have to do rabbit hole pod, Northeast jam scene, all this Bruce shit. Like (laughs) another time down the road.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) anyway, for following this, we're going to do that. We're doing the, we're doing these shows, check out the website, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, hopefully, you know, like really, as we're coming out of the pandemic and we all have, um, families and different things that are kind of, you know, have, have, uh, have just kind of fruited during this time off, you know. Yeah. Um, we're we're kind of like really kind of looking to looking forward to the fall and getting out, hopefully supporting this new record and doing a lot of shows and, you know, getting more people turned on to the art. We're we're, we're one thing that we're really focused on right now is we're re-releasing our back catalog on vinyl because it's all sold out, which yeah. is amazing for us. It feels honored that we can like do some repressings and we've got. Um, some great people helping us with that, so um, we're re-releasing Libra Stripes, and then uh, Octagon will be the next one to come out again on Sick. vinyl. And um, you know, we've one of the things that, if I can can sort of convey anything that's important about us is like we are a recording project. We make records, right? Mm-hmm. And the the purpose of the, we play the shows to bring those records to people so that they can buy them because someone's got to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So that they can hear them and, and get them out there, but. Ultimately, like we want to have our catalog available on vinyl for anybody to get, no matter when they're coming into our music, right? right. Because hopefully, the goal with this is that it's timeless music, that it's music right. that is not like, oh, this record came out in '95. It's like, well, this is the re- this is one of the records that we're listening. To, you know, whatever it is, and that's I don't know if we're gonna we've attained that yet or we're we've achieved that, but that's a goal. You know, yeah. just to basically have a catalog of music that people can listen to at any time in the future and be like, man, from the future is relevant. Um, Libra stripes is relevant you know octagon is relevant whatever it is you know yeah I think that's that's the
0: goal That's remarkable and really unique to y'all I want to ask you Jason um, any parting words anything you wanted to share about like you know that he may have missed about the future or that you would a point you would want to drive home or anything you want to leave people with before we go rage north Mississippi
2: yeah man thank you I I do have something, and I think it's, uh, it has to do with the future of this band. And one thing that I'm excited about is the new music. The new music that, that we're going to be able to present. Um, and it, it comes from this last record. It will come from this last record, because this last record was actually was made during COVID, when we could not field test our songs, Right, yeah. So this record that's about to come out that we just finished mixing, that we just kind of are wrapping up right now and, and and making a plan for actually getting it out to the world, a lot of that music has not seen the stage before it hit the record like almost all of our other recorded material, right? And so what I'm looking forward to in the future is, is realizing that music live. There are things that we did in the studio that we can't reproduce live. We played too many parts. We added on. We took all the liberties that were afforded us that isolation and used all of that you know the studio stuff to add layers and so now we've got to decode that and find a way to present that art in a live format and so that's something that i'm looking forward to with this band coming up and exactly. it's going to take a lot of work and and sure. we're, you know we're we're painfully democratic about all of our decisions around this and so um but i uh, you know as always i look forward to that to, to doing the work because yeah. it pays off and the payoff is, has been amazing so We're, we're grateful yeah.
0: for the work and grateful for the gift and the art and all of it. Like, I know, like, I homied out with him really hard during this thing, but <laughs> you really gave such insightful window into the, like I said, the modus operandi, the sort of vision from then to now, the future. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm equally grateful that you sat down with us and, like, gave a different, like, look at it because I would have just gotten Ben's thing. And um, um, I have a much, I think, maybe wider scope thanks to your contributions. Right on, man. Thanks so, for
2: having me. Yeah, It's been course, a
0: pleasure. Man, we'll do it again down the road. I plan on seeing y'all whenever you're drivable, you know? Yeah. Um, last thing, how do I get the Ben
1: Bloom flat bill? Hmm.
0: Well. <laughs> <laughs> or we can say it off the air if you don't want to No, no. Air. I mean, I, the, the reality is... I need of the situation, to rock the fuck yeah. out of that thing.
1: So the reality is that I don't have my own clothing company, although I should. And I actually have a brand name already picked out and everything like that. But I'm, I'm not, like, a merch guy, you know what right. I mean, or, like, a collector of many things. The B-hat thing kind of came from, like, me li- not liking any sports or any sports talk at all. Like, I don't want somebody coming up to me and being like, Yo,
3: Boston, what up, homie? I
1: like the, <laughs> you know, I don't want to talk about sports. I don't want to talk about hockey. I don't want to talk about baseball. And I've lived in a lot of, like, sports active towns. so yeah. it's, you know, Boston, huh? You know, yeah like York, exactly right? like what are you gonna do you know so philly.
0: i'm from philly I'm, Sp- I'm, I'm one of those guys that would run up on you and be like yo philly. yeah
1: you and your crew and it's cool but like we have a you know there's a there's like i gotta exit you know i know how to get out of those situations at this, <laughs> at this point in at this point in life but regardless like the b hat thing which just came from the name like my name is ben bloom i got two right. b's and my name is easy obviously you're a b i'm a b you know i've yeah. got two holes um and so the hats kind of started coming people giving me hats i started looking at them this particular hat that i'm wearing right here is from a company um i'll I'll give you the name so you can plug it because it's a company that is all um all the proceeds from their merch is about saving bees and so it's (laughs) like a bee donation fund basically for them to like save the bees so um it's something that we need we need pollinators in this world right cross pollinators just like you yeah yeah Um, so i love that
0: story it's not even like oh yeah this is my company no it's not but this one
1: happens to have two bees in it which is amazing like that's a double that's like a double rainbow you know what yeah, I mean? It's For a guy like it. me. Because so,
0: somebody turned to me while you were on stage this afternoon and was like, this fucking gangster's got his own hat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it's bees. That's uh, so why I was like, mental note on my I hot.
1: can't take the I, – but I, I will give you the names because so we can plug them and yeah. people can support the bees because I, I, you know, I bought a couple hats. We, and... it, there's bee everything in our house, like bee
0: hat pins, bee artwork. People just hook it up. They're like, Alright, this has been real. We're going to do it again. We're going to do our rabbit hole fucking History of Jam Bands sidebar pod sometime. So, anyway, thank you guys. It's been fucking real. Um, long overdue. Yeah, man. We'll do it again. And thank you for blessing the spirit of the swanity. The last thing I always ask is, like, what's the URL? One website, one place to go for polyrhythmics.
1: Polyrhythmics.com. Spell it. P-O-L-Y-R-H. Y t-h-m-i-c-s polyrhythmics p-o-l-y-r-h-y-t-h-m-i-c-s polyrhythmics.com this is a mouthful
0: check the show notes fam there'll be a clickable link you don't have to remember that shit uh so goodbye job bless it's been the up for life podcast and we'll see you next time peace
3: Uh-huh. Fly like a duck, they come from up above, bail love. The way I fail time it's too hard to sit still, things are so passionate, signs are so real. Sometimes I try to chill, mellow down, blowing smoke, smile on my face, but it's really no joke. You feeling in the street, the people breathe without hope. They go on through the motion. Them and dad the focus The focus get clad and the light turns sharp and the eyes get seary. The mind grow weary. I speak it so clearly. Sometimes they don't hear
0: me. I push you fast to race on the nation's got Yes, indeedy. I want to say thank you to Ben and Jason of Polyrhythmics. Check them out, polyrhythmics.com and hopefully come into a town, city, village near you. We're going to get into... A little bit of Yasin Bey formerly known as the mighty most deaf like we always do about this time the vibe junkie jams I'm gonna play two tunes two cuts both live and uh, we will start in honor of the out-of-body experience that was the mighty most deaf mr. Yasin Bey at the blue note jazz festival napa valley which again you can read about on live for live music and upfullife.com i'm gonna play a collab he did with the robert glasper experiment live in 2019 stakes is high one of my favorite dilla beats of all time and you know just next level both artists um it's a De La Soul song that Dilla laced. And it's an Ahmad Jamal sample. It's at the uh, Vox Jazz Festival. And we're going to hear that Yasin Bay Robert Glasper experiment. Stakes is high. And then we're going to hear Gelada, Chelada. C-H-E-L-A-D-A. Chelada. By Polyrhythmics. Probably my favorite song by that crew. And that'll wrap it up for episode 59 of the up full life podcast big up yourself for tuning in give thanks goodbye Job bless and we'll see you next time
3: the liberator. the operator amazing flavor Ooh, la, la, sab- so far. When I say vibe, you say vibe. You say vibration. Very simply, y'all. When I say vibe, you say vibration. Ah, uh, echo When I say vibe, you say. When I say vibe, you say. When I say five, you say. When I say. From the east with the beat that be thorough Got solar gravitation so I'm bound to pull it Get down, they brothers are fine. Junk in from bullets, gun control beats, Using both hands in the land Where it's all about the cautious fan, Migrating to a higher form of consequence Compliments are struggling, it shouldn't be notable Every word I say should be a hip-hop I'm sick of bitches shaking asses Sick of talking about the sick of Versace glasses Sick of slang, sick of half-assure Wall shows and name brand clothes and all these suckers over bullshit jack. Cocaine and cracks, bring sickness to black. Cocaine's and crack, bring sickness to black. Cocaine's and crack, bring sickness, is whack. Sick of soul head rappers when they sickin' in raps Rappers and gas, making a whole sick world collapse. The facts get sicker, even sick perhaps stick a half. A sick of bush and make up on to escape. Man, man, life. Get all up in your ass, and baby. You better work it out. Let me show you what it's all about. A skin not considered equal. A meteor has more right than the people who waste time screaming who they hated. That's why the name so Has officially been reinstated with the firm. Stakes, stakes, sky high. Five, 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 five yeah, yeah, uh, sky high <laughs> <memories, laughs> You yeah. wish about love, Loving a love man, sex and guns, love opposite for opposite of fame and wealth, love for the fact that you don't love yourself. We living in the days of man made ways, and every aspect is vivid. These brothers no longer talk shit. I give it to you 24/7 on the microphone. Y'all seen translating the show No offense to a player, but I don't play And If you take offense, listen. C'est la vie, c'est la vie. Say Jesus making paper at a high regard. My brother's down for it now, but these ain't all. Investing in fantasies and not gone. Welcome to reality, the times is hard. Trying to cash the credit, but can't claim the car. why not a video saying it co start Shit like that, that make your mama cry. You better watch how you spin it, cause the stakes is high. So shit like that, that make your mama cry. You better watch how you spin it, cause the stakes is high. Cause this face is
1: Got it. This one's called Chilada. <laughs>